1: Hello and welcome to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app, watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL on YouTube, and follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, Brad Spielberger of PFF with his favorite plays for Thanksgiving football, and Kelly Ford will be here at 1120 Eastern Time to preview college football rivalry week, including Ohio State at Michigan. Lots to get to. Plenty of sports action yesterday featuring the Pacers and Lakers. They are the first teams through to the knockout stage in the in-season NBA tournament. In college hoops, Marquette jumped all over number one Kansas. They beat them by 14. They will get Purdue, Aaron, in the title game of the Maui Invitational. But we start... with joe ostrowski's fasting joe how are you feeling are you still alive how's the pulse the blood pressure all that good stuff
2: yeah i was just upstairs my wife's like are you okay are you okay i feel better today on day three than i did on day two so i'm wow. i'm good man i'm feeling good Like yesterday was i was very hungry i was very tempted like everywhere you go in this house i'm like there's garbage food everywhere. Um, But yeah, no, I'm feeling good. I think I'm going to make it to tonight. Tonight, Late tonight would be 72 hours. And then it's all over. Then forget about it.
0: (laughs) No, like easing in with broth or anything. Just No, you're supposed to. I'm really talking about
2: tomorrow. I'm really talking about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. No, like tonight. Yeah, I was looking up on how you're supposed to break it uh like with what kind of foods and what not to do. <laughs> like don't go <laughs> to White Castle. <laughs> that would be a bad idea. Yeah. But, so yeah. what are you gonna do? Some I don't know. Soup, I was re- some juice. Yeah, probably bone broth, uh avocado, or something like that. Probably. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. If I make it, I think I'm gonna make it actually because I've got I'll be working most of the day and then, then it'll almost be over.
0: What about the Th- weight loss? Turning Tell into people. food.
2: Like the microphone wasn't turning into a
1: juicy steak or anything like that, where you're about to eat inanimate objects.
2: Well, it was funny because last night, I don't know why they watched the show, but last night, uh, my wife and my son were watching Survivor. I'm like, I'm doing Survivor right now. Like, I know how those people feel. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And I told her, she's like, This is ridiculous. Just eat something. <laughs> but yeah, that's so good still alive. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. We'll do a show. We'll do a show on one day. next week, Ed. We're all in the show. Aaron said we're gonna do a show one.
0: I'm starting Friday. I I don't trust so, myself. Are you being really the, during the show day after
2: Thanksgiving? Look, you don't. You're not gonna go for the Thanksgiving with all those leftovers. leftovers, right? Like the sandwiches,
0: like that. No, I don't cook at my house, so there'll be nothing. Thank God. Okay.
3: Oh. No, <laughs> oh, no
0: temptations. Boston Market. I'll that pass. DoorDash <laughs> app
3: is gonna be talking to Aaron like the Green Goblin mask. <laughs>
0: She's going to need delete to delete it, it. Jake. Yeah, I'll delete, so delete Uber it. Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub, everything.
2: So what's the All last right. meal? before Thanksgiving
0: then? meal, I think you get you get full, and then you start fasting at bedtime, and then I'll see how long I can go. That's my plan. So you're
2: going to start Thursday night and break it then Sunday night?
0: Unless I'm like you and I'm feeling great and I want to continue it into Monday.
2: Yeah, that's a good thing about the timing that I chose. There's no extending it. It's mm-hmm. it's Thanksgiving. It's over.
0: <laughs> that right. would be sad if you continue. <laughs> Observe it the holiday, the darn it. <laughs> yeah. Like,
2: oh, my God, I'd be so, in so much trouble if I go to my mother-in-law's and didn't eat on Thanksgiving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that would be like a slap yeah. in the face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How about we uh, go over our
1: college football playoff rankings, the latest installment from last night. We've got Georgia Mm -hmm. at number one, Ohio State at two, Michigan three, so it'll be two versus three on Saturday. Washington is four, Florida State is five. It's Uh, fairly obvious uh, what the headline is, I believe, pertaining to, say, the Seminoles, perhaps, Joe. Uh, But what do you make of the committee's decision to have Florida State at five here?
2: Uh, I knew they were going to do this. We all knew they were going to do this. They had them at four last week, and they, and they move them down one line. But don't worry. They said it has nothing to do with any injuries. They, ma- they made that statement last night. Like, just just stop. Stop. They got their excuse. They got Florida State out of the top four. Now, if Florida State finishes undefeated, they win the next two games, will they stay outside the top four? That's the question.
1: I have to believe they stay in at this point or get back in, rather, just because. Oh, get back
2: in. Okay.
1: They're going to get back in because I I completely agree. Like, this is walking the tightrope if you're the committee. Because, on the one hand, resume has to matter. Who you've beaten has to matter. There's also Mm -hmm. this precedent where Ohio State, several years ago, lost their starting quarterback, went on to win the national championship. And so do you really want to disenfranchise a team when you didn't do that several years ago? At some point, precedent has to matter just as much as, say, resumes do. Now, it is an exercise where I think projecting forward is also part of it. So you are doing, say, a blend of looking at the past and looking at the future. And that's largely what they did here by putting Florida State at five, I thought. Like, it was a nice, clean way to say – Yes, it's they're not who they were. Whatever they say or not, I don't care. But it's a nice way to say, okay, you're not who you were, but if you are an undefeated Power 5 team, you win the ACC, which is you know, a decent conference, then yes, you can get back into this. And besides, I think what the news to me is, A, there's no back door in for Florida State. Like, they have to win out. If they don't, they're done. And it's going to be really challenging for, say, a one-loss team to sneak into this thing. Uh, other than, say, Oregon. Maybe Alabama has a chance, but there may also be a path for Alabama to win the SEC and still not get in. I think that's very much in play here.
2: Not not the Ohio State-Michigan loser. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I think this may be
1: more of a let's look at the past and look at your resumes exercise, because I think the loser of that, despite having a great record... I think there's something to be said for trying to have a good blend of conference champions. And I think that factor will ultimately be the difference maker where context is a little bit different this year because there's more in that top tier.
0: Are you guys surprised that it was Washington instead of Oregon? We talked about a PAC 12 team getting in, but of course Oregon has that one loss. So it seemed like it was going to be Washington, but I feel like maybe Oregon is the better team despite that L that they had so it's a fascinating situation I'm glad they finally got a Pac-12 team in it just even though it's the last year and it might be meaningless I still think it would be nice and to give some respect to the conference in its final year too
2: it seems like it's going to happen right that's going to be the path so if Washington you guys went out you're in I mean Mm -hmm. they, they made that announcement last night you guys are good and then if it's Oregon are they definitely in Based on where they're placed, uh, could they jump Florida State? Could a one-loss Oregon jump an undefeated Florida State? Maybe. It depends how these go, too. Like, what if that Big Big Ten game we're talking about comes down to the very end, or it's a field goal game like that Oregon game, you know, or if it's a two-three score game, that completely changes the conversation as well. But we are talking less and less about Alabama, aren't we?
1: We sure are. We absolutely are. It, it's getting tougher and tougher and it almost feels insane to think that a one loss SEC champion would miss out on the college football playoff. But I actually think that's in play here. Like, what mm-hmm. if what if it's a really close game against Auburn and a really close game against Georgia where maybe they just don't have their best outing? Alabama somehow wins both of these. I don't that that's a lot to jump, especially if it's kind of chalky the rest of the way. I think there's something to be said for this might be the, like we said before, there are very few undefeated teams at the end of the regular season in college football, two, three, one, something like that. It's possible. We could have four this year. And I think that there's a big difference. And I think there's a big gap between having no losses versus having one loss and how susceptible you are to missing out on the playoff. And I think that's what makes this year say unprecedented that that top tier is so much more crowded than it has been in seasons past, Joe.
2: Yeah, and remember, Georgia not as great as seasons past. That's the right. thing that people are going to have to get by. That Georgia win would be awesome, but it wouldn't be like the last couple of years. You like if Ohio State beats Michigan, just as impressive, right? So Absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of lot of things in play, and, and only a small number of games. Can't wait to talk about it later in the show with Kelly Ford.
1: No doubt about it. Let us move on now to something we normally do on Fridays, but it's Thanksgiving week. So let's do it here on Thanksgiving Eve. Let's get to the two-minute drill. It's time to go no huddle with the BetQL Daily two-minute drill. Now to guide us along these festivities is none other than our fearless leader and the man who will be having a physical on Thanksgiving Eve. It's Paul Ashton. Oh, yeah.
3: Dude. So it's a mini-fest. It's a mini-fest for me. So I'm hoping to drop eight pounds in the next, like, eight hours. That'd be great. Uh, so we're doing an <laughs> abbreviated two-minute drill here, and then we'll do another one later for the Sunday games like we normally do, but want to get your guys' final thoughts on the Thanksgiving Day games. And obviously, for all their thoughts, go back and check the pods the last couple days. All right, so let's kick it off. Packers plus seven and a half at the Lions. Total at 47 side total. Prop favorite plays for this game. Let's just go around. Joe Aronet. This situation changed when I
2: looked at the injury report yesterday. I mean, man, it is looking rough for Green Bay, really rough. Like I was leaning Green Bay yesterday, but now Jaden Reed gets added to the injury report. He was limited to yesterday's practice. They're saying Luke Musgrave, that injury is pretty significant. Aaron Jones, highly unlikely to play. Wicks, who's done well of late for the Packers, the receiver. He did not practice. Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark, there's some linebackers with issues. I can't back Green Bay, guys. I can't. Lions are such an obvious teaser play. It's kind of silly. Yeah. It really is. I'm having a tough time. I, I figure out figure the Lions are gonna run the ball, but which guy's gonna get it? I think props are difficult, but this is an easy way to start your day. Put the Lions in a teaser.
0: Love it. The the public will probably be all over the Lions on Thanksgiving, which is mm-hmm. something new for Detroit. Um. All right, so the Packers have been better in recent weeks. You mentioned the injury report, but the thing is, the Lions have struggled with turnovers, and maybe I'm just a little angry because I bet Jared Goff over, and I'm s- still bitter about that last week, but I just still think, despite the injuries, it's a Thanksgiving game, too many points for the Lions. You heard me. Packers plus seven and a half. Mm. Horvy, holler at your girl.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a what a fun shout out. Uh, yes, Lions in a teaser is fantastic. Uh, teasing it with the 49ers, uh, bringing that down to one. That's definitely a fantastic play. As far as props go, mentioned how poorly the Packers have defended the middle third of the field, how important that is to the Lions. Sam Laporta has 19 receptions there with a CPOE of greater than 4%. His receiving prop is 46.5 yards. I'm going over.
3: All right, moving on to the afternoon game. Commandos, plus 11 at the Cowboys. Total of 48 and a half. And we talked about yesterday just how the Cowboys, against the spread, have been a terrible bet on Thanksgiving. Where are you guys going on this game? Mm. Commanders,
2: don't feel comfortable about it, but Commanders... Plus 11, uh, not my favorite play. Do I prefer some props? Yeah, I do. C.D. Lamb, that number was like mid-90s yesterday. That's coming down a little bit. That's at 89.5. He's going over that number. And I'm considering Dak, too. I mean, this is the best matchup. If Lamb's going to go off, that means Dak's passing it to him. Dak, 265.5 for the yardage. The passing touchdowns is 1.5 everywhere. That's like juice to a crazy level. Not interested in that. But if I see a two and a half at good plus money, I would certainly consider that one.
0: I know the the trend about the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, but I just think they roll over this Commanders team. Dallas' second-best pass defense, limiting uh, opposing teams to 157 yards per game. I was thinking Sam Howell under 251 and a half. I think the Cowboys win by at least a couple touchdowns, probably more. So I'm gonna do Cowboys minus 10 and a half, even minus 11, whatever number I like. It both.
1: I'll keep mine quick. Eight of Micah Parsons' 10 pressures came within two and a half seconds on Sunday. Most quick pressures in a game by any player this season for next-gen stats. Parsons has six more quick pressures than anybody else, including Miles Garrett, including Nick Bosa. I do think he is going to feast and get some sacks against Sam Howell, so I'm going to look for that as a prop I want to back.
3: All right, about 15 seconds each. Niners back up to seven across the board. Gino kind of eh, but Pete Carroll's optimistic. A couple of other guys showing up on the injury report. So it was Niners lane seven against the Seahawks. Dolphins up to 10 against the Jets. Real quick, anything in any of these yeah. two
2: games. Favorites nominee in Thanksgiving. I think the Niners are going to be part of it. I'm not, based on what we're hearing now, I'm not sure that Gino's going to play. I'm not buying what Carroll is trying to sell. That's the reason number went back up to seven, take San Fran.
0: Even though Seahawks at home, they're limping into this one. I'm also on San Francisco.
2: Seattle's
1: going to struggle in terms of defending short passes. It's going to be a great Christian McCaffrey short game. A lot of yak for him over 33.5 receiving yards is my favorite play here. This is Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we will go through every Sunday NFL game, starting with Saints-Falcons, Cheats-Raiders, and Steelers-Bengals right here on the BetQL Network.
3: We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented.
1: Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Oxworth here with you. And it's time to go over the Sunday slate for Week 12. We'll start with the Saints and the Falcons. Battle Royale in the NFC South. The Saints are currently one-point favorites on the road. Slightly juiced in Atlanta's favor with a total of 41.5. Joe, how do you see this one playing out?
2: Ugh. Vomit inducing. This is terrible. <laughs> wow. Uh it's pretty bad. Vomit.
1: Like, wait, wait, wait. You I know, eaten anything to vomit. Like,
2: I will I will have plenty out? in my system by Sunday. <laughs> by Sunday, when this is on TV, <laughs> there will be plenty in the system and it's not gonna be pretty. I mean, what is this? All right, we've got uh, both teams coming off to buy. Yay, very exciting. Do we know if it's gonna be Carr or Jameis? No, we don't know here on Wednesday morning. Oh, God. Ritter's back. Does it matter? I don't know. He's been better at home. Heineke was out there for a few games. They lost all of those. So let's go make the switch again. Like, it's going to be some sort of a difference. Uh, we we know that the Falcons want to run the ball, but the Saints are strong at stopping the run. Saints have a lot of injuries. It's not just Carr. Lattimore, they put Michael Thomas on IR yesterday. Yeah. Uh, this game's going to be gross, but they're both really bad against the spread. Saints 2-7-1. The Falcons are 2-8. I mean, <laughs> it's not <laughs> terrible th- this matchup is. I'm considering the under. That's my only consideration in this game. I don't like it. I don't like either team. I don't want to watch it. But we don't have good games to choose from once we get to Sunday. But, uh, yeah, under's my only thought. How about you guys?
0: Hmm. There's some ones out there now. Wasn't it mostly one and a half earlier this morning? Maybe I was just looking at one book. But, yeah, I will be on the Saints side simply because DVOA, they are 18th overall versus the Falcons, who are 29th. And whether it's Carr or Jameis Winston, I think both of them are better than Ritter. Uh, So injuries do affect this one. I, I was trying to find some props here, but nothing's listed. So give me the Saints. Uh, add a pick 'em. I see a pick 'em out there too.
1: Oh, there you go. Line shop. Nicely done. I am also going to back the under here Joe uh in large part because I think it's the combination of quarterbacks and receivers where it almost doesn't matter who's starting like there's going to be some sort of an issue like let's say Derek Carr were to start well he doesn't have Michael Thomas and that's significant because I think America's Mm -hmm. favorite check down receiver is really really important in a matchup like this and so to have that not be there for Derek Carr is significant Jameis Winston, the ultimate no risk at no biscuit quarterback, well, that's also going to be an issue because the Falcons uh, have the fourth-highest defensive success rate, defending passes beyond 10 air yards. Mm-hmm. So pick your poison. Like, in one way, you're darned if you do, in another way, you're darned if you don't. So all of those things being said, now the Falcons, you know, maybe the ones who uh, are deciding upon if this game goes over or under. Well, do you trust any of the quarterbacks now? Do you trust the receivers? Do you trust this this offensive game plan in general? I certainly don't. I don't know where you go with this except the under. This is going to be a low-scoring, yeah. ugly game. Saints will probably win it, but I'm certainly not putting my money on that but we're not going to see a whole lot of points uh defenses should still play okay uh the Marshawn Lattimore injury does concern me but I do feel, feel like there's enough secondary depth for the Saints uh to at least be able to contain whatever passing attack the Falcons may throw out there so I think under is the best spot here
2: I don't know if it does and I won't anything. be anything Yes. Well, we'll see. We haven't seen the game yet. (laughs) It might happen. Yeah, Uh, right. (laughs) Some of the sharper books do have the Falcons as the favorite, which is kind of interesting. I don't, you know, you're basically Mm. asking for for the winner here at minus one. Uh, Are we teasing it? Do we just tease the dog? Is this one of those games you tease it either way or? Nah. Yeah. Uh, If I think it's going
0: under, then I might as
1: well, right? Like, yeah, if if I think this is going to be below, say, 40, for instance, or the total is going to keep dropping then it's a good process play and it is a division game. So it probably is going to be close given familiarity. Uh, And and also the Falcons are familiar with Jameis Winston, uh, you know, playing him for so many years. So I think that also bodes well as far as that being, uh, you know, familiarity breeding to a closer game. So, yeah, as a teaser leg, I, I think that's fine. Yeah,
2: but I prefer the under, right? I think we're on the same page there. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, I think so, too.
1: All right, let's move on now to the Steelers and the Bengals. Uh, Is this also vomit-inducing because of uh, what we're going to see uh, at the quarterback position? Uh, Pittsburgh, one-point favorites on the road with a total of Mm. 34.5. Wow.
2: Wow. Oh, man. (laughs) I'm (laughs) oddly interested in this game. Maybe it just says something about the slate. Is this not one of the better games of the day? It might be one one of the best games of the day. We don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, Jake Browning against Kenny Pickett. Get the popcorn ready, people. So the adjustment that we've seen from Berta Browning is seven points, right? Pittsburgh, a one-point favorite. 24 hours ago, the big story was Matt Canada's fired. Matt Canada's fired. You know what happened in the market? Nothing. It didn't move half a point after moving, uh, getting offensive coordinator Matt Canada out of there. So here's the plan for the Steelers, which is kind of interesting. Like, it's Tomlin, so we're probably going to say maybe it's so crazy it could work. But quarterbacks coach Mike Sullivan is a play caller. Running backs coach Eddie Faulkner is the offensive coordinator. So uh, that's how they decided to do it as they they get rid of their uh, former teammate Man, Canada. So the running backs coach being the O.C., does that mean w- more time for Jalen Warren? I'm sure he has a strong opinion there. And the play caller apparently has a, a tight relationship with Kenny Pickett. I mean, the quarterbacks coach, that's a thinking there, right? I think this is all good stuff. I'm, I like the Steelers. I like the Steelers even before the Canada move. I like them even more now. I, I look at it and I'm like, okay, I got the better coach. I think I have the better quarterback. We'll see. Um, Even though Pickett stinks too. Uh, I have the better defense this season. More playmakers, at least, on that side of the ball. So I like the Steelers. I know they're going on the road in the division. I'm just asking them to win the game. So uh, I think this uh, Pittsburgh minus one could get home. I like it.
0: Yeah, this is an interesting matchup with things happening to both teams. You know, If it weren't for a Mike Tomlin Steelers team, I would say making these kind of changes at this point in the season might be kind of difficult for the players to adjust. Like, what types of things are they going to install this week? How many changes will be made to adjust to? But with a Mike Tomlin Steelers team that just finds ugly ways to win. I will also back the Steelers minus one in this situation i it I think it's pretty deflating what's going on with the Bengals. they were disappointing before the Joe burrow injury the-
1: They certainly were. It's funny. I am kind of looking at this a little bit differently. Like I, there is another example to an offensive coordinator getting fired and how an offense responds to it, all that stuff. And that was Mm -hmm. with the Buffalo Bills when they fired Ken Dorsey and now Joe Brady's calling the plays, uh, all that stuff. Not much changed. Now things can change over the course of the season, but in terms of play calling, that looked like the same offense to me with maybe a couple of tweaks here or there, but it was largely the same mm-hmm. thing. I kind mm-hmm. of feel like that's what's going to happen with Pittsburgh as well, to where, okay, they have this new arrangement with, you know, one offense coordinator and one play caller and all of that stuff. But I don't know if that should necessarily breed a lot of immediate optimism. I think it's something where over time it's probably going to work out and Kenny Pickett's going to look better and better and they're going to go to Warren a good bit more as they should have this whole time. But I think those are long-term consequences. I think in the short term, kind of like the Bengals already, I would still back them here. My model says uh, to take Cincy as one-point favorites uh, on a neutral field. And so in that respect, I'm going to back the Bengals here. But Joe, my question to you is what makes – the Pittsburgh situation different in terms of having immediate impacts than say the Buffalo situation where things were still fairly status quo.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's a very different situation. We're talking about an elite quarterback versus a bottom five, bottom 10 quarterback, even this year, as bad as it is mm-hmm. uh, a guy that has more weapons. I uh, certainly, but are we going to see Deontay Johnson and Pickens both be involved on the outside? Like that's, that's been a bit of a problem. I think there are some immediate fixes. I think all of us in any job, uh, we, we constantly think, well, if I was the boss, I would change this. If I was the boss, I would do that. I, I think these assistants have that thought process. Like they've, they have a number of things that they would change immediately. And they've probably been very frustrated as well as coaches on, on the offensive staff. And, and Sullivan does have some experience as an offensive coordinator. It's like not like he's sitting there. I mean, Brady, Joe Brady had experience and we saw that uh, this past weekend, but it was a soft matchup for him. He was an OC with the Buccaneers. He was an OC with the Giants and now the OC and, and now I guess uh, whatever his job is, it's quarterback's coach slash play caller, which is just strange to say. So he does have some experience. He's been coaching a, a long, long time. So, That's part of the reason I do trust him. But I was leaning this way before the change, and this one made me feel better about it. Browning did not look awful, but, you know, with a weak tip, that Steelers defense preparing for Browning, how's that going to look? It's a bit of a guessing game as far as that goes.
1: Aaron, do you feel like there could be enough film on Jake Browning or that element of surprise could be something that the Steelers may not be able to be prepared for?
0: Maybe uh, to start the half, but I do trust the Steelers coaching staff and the personnel. Like if there are any elements of surprise that they can make some adjustments in the second half. So I'm not too worried about it.
1: Okay, fair enough. Let's move on now to the Chiefs and the Raiders. KC, nine point favorites on the road with a total of 43. Joe, what stands out to you here?
2: Mm, Is the public out in the Chiefs now? This was 10. Now we're at nine. I'm wondering if that's the case because everybody watched that game. It was the hyped game. And for 24 hours, people were ripping on the Chiefs, everything that's wrong with the Chiefs. And it starts with the receivers, and then the Kelsey fumble was bad. And now people are talking about Kelsey distractions. Hey, you know what? This story happened earlier in the year, right, with the whole Taylor Swift stuff and everything going on. Uh, fascinating to see what happens with this number. Is it going to stick at nine, or is it going to move even further down? Because there could be a buy point. On the Raiders' side, you know, Antonio Pierce has covered all three games. He's been there. I know it wasn't as big of a story this week because they lost against Miami. And, yeah, Miami probably should have won by a lot more. I get that. But the bottom line is, is they were hanging with a team that they were not supposed to hang with. Everybody in the world had Dolphins. If you had a pick on that game, you were laying the big number with the Dolphins. And that number kept going up and up and up. It closes a couple touchdowns. And then the Raiders are in that. Uh, Matchup-wise, what I look at is you can run on the Chiefs. And we saw it happen again the other night with the Eagles. You can run on this team. And that's what the Raiders want to do. And it's the, the one thing they can do. Also worth, worth pointing out that over these last couple games, they're getting Devontae Adams involved. He's had 13 targets each of the last two games. Uh, <laughs> it's scary because it's Mahomes versus Aiden O'Connell. But <laughs> I, I want to see where we close here. But right now I'm looking at Raiders plus nine divisional matchup. Uh, they're going to be able to run the ball, maybe take the ball out of Mahomes' hands a little bit. And... Uh, I have no trust in those Chiefs receivers, man. Uh, I, I, It's crazy to say with an Andy Reid team, I wonder if they change course a little bit and, and they start to lean on the run. This is a great matchup if you want to do that a little bit, make things more balanced.
0: Mm-hmm. I think this is a chief smash spot. The Raiders are, yeah. you know, probably trying to get a win and the, and then go into their buy. But I almost think that this is just such a tough matchup for them. It's been a cool story for the Raiders and, You know, maybe they come out of the bye strong and stay consistent. But I still think, even though this isn't like the same type of Chiefs team that we've seen in the past, I still think this is a better team. I think their defense will step up. I think Andy Reid will find a way to, you know, spark this team. I'm sure they're embarrassed about what happened against the Eagles. And, I don't think they got up for that like it was the Super Bowl that this will be a letdown spot, you know, against the Raiders and they just don't show up. I think it's a smash spot for the Chiefs. And I even looked at an alt spread, like minus 11 and a half, something like that.
1: I couldn't do that. I I think this is probably a sharp number. I'm not going to take a side in this one in large part because I don't think the Raiders are going to do anything to keep this game close. I think the Chiefs themselves will keep this close in large part because, Joe, you know about all the drops. Aaron, you know all about the drops. I know all about the drops. And Andy Reid knows all about the drops. It's made this offense very conservative. It was never like they're throwing at 30 yards every single time. Like, it's never really been that. But now it's really, really conservative. Pat Mahomes throws to targets behind the line of scrimmage on nearly 24% of his passes. That's the fourth highest rate among qualified quarterbacks. This offense is not designed to cover large spreads. I don't care what defense is being thrown out there. This is going to be a conservative offense where they're going to try and avoid turnovers and things like that. KC will win the game, but nine is a really large number. Seeing an eight and a half out there as well. The conservatism is what makes me concerned about KC covering this large number. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, the AFC South showdown that could determine the division jags and texans that's right here on the betql network
3: we'll be right back with betql daily presented by bets mgm on the betql network
1: Welcome back to Make Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. We will talk about Jaguars at Texans in just a bit. But first, let's bu- put a bow on our conversation uh, between the Chiefs and the Raiders. For me, this is a no play because I feel like Kansas City's offense just isn't clicking to the point where I feel like they can cover large spreads. Uh, but Aaron, you seem to disagree with this notion.
0: Yeah, I just think it's a little bit of an overreaction to what we saw against the Eagles. I get it. This is not the same Chiefs team that we are used to seeing, and it is disappointing. But they have beat... Six teams by more than a touchdown this season. So they are winning by margin. And I think against this Vegas team, they still are better. And I trust the head coach and I trust the quarterback more. Uh, Las Vegas allowing 244 passing yards per game in the last three games. So I think this is a good get right spot to, you know, help out this chief's offense who has struggled. And these receivers do need some confidence and maybe they'll get it in this matchup.
2: Do we have a second half team total yet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd like a second half team total. What is it? Are they gonna score in the second half? It's been uh since weeks what seven? Yeah, October twenty second, the last time they scored a point in the second half. So mm-hmm. I would think they're gonna save their good stuff for the second half. Like you've you've got to, right? Like I would think that's gonna be part of the game plan here.
1: But but what's the Yeah, good I'm stuff? sure they don't want that I mean, trend that's my question to continue. Right. And what is it like 13 points in the second half since week three? I think Eric Eager tweeted out something like that. I mean, this has been a problem all year. It's not just a recent phenomenon. And I think one of the things that we saw, and again, we talk about blueprints, like, okay, one defense was successful with this. Maybe another one will be successful the following week. But it's all about, like, triple-teaming Travis Kelsey, taking him completely out of the offense, and then trying to throw it deep to someone who might, you know, beat out a corner or something like that. At at some point, like, it matters – the lack of depth at wide receiver and even at tight end to an extent because certainly if you're going to be throwing shorter passes you need Justin Watson to be you know, more of a playmaker and this raiders defense like part of it is okay max crosby's kind of the headliner the pass rush can be really really good but the secondary mm-hmm. it might be just enough to get by here their epa per pass for for the raiders is 12th highest at a negative 0.06 per Sumer. So I look at this and go, the pass rush doesn't matter as much because it's Pat Mahomes. He evades just about everything and that's fine. But this conservatism, not to mention the fact that on fourth down, you know, yeah, they went for it against the Eagles. I don't know if they do that in a game like this where they know they can at least beat the Raiders. So they may be going after field goals a little bit more. They may be sputtering in the red zone a good bit more where all of those points are supposed to occur where you're going to cover these large spreads. And Aaron, I think those are my concerns. Love the the Chiefs' pass defense. Like, I'm not expecting a lot from Aiden O'Connell, but it's probably going to be a low-scoring game, I think.
0: I do like Joe's idea about maybe the Chiefs will rely on the run a little bit more because the sure. Raiders allow over a hundred yards rushing to opponents per game. Yeah. One thirty two is the average. Mm-hmm. One ten in the last three games. So Isaiah Pacheco could have a game. I just think this is a bounce back spot for the Chiefs. I, yeah. I think could be, be motivated and eliminate some of these mm-hmm. drops.
2: Could be. We have not seen one of the smash spots on the road from them. I think that's also worth mm-hmm. worth pointing out that it's a divisional game on the road. And recently, they lost straight up to Denver, uh, Minnesota. That was that was a uh, one score game. Jets. That was a one score game. Jacksonville. That was mm-hmm. a one score game. So we mm-hmm. haven't seen it from them on the road yet. Maybe maybe this is a spot. But yeah, I was I was looking at Pacheco props not posted yet. Uh, I guess they'll do it later in the week. <laughs> now that you're bitter or anything.
1: No, not that this is a problem. On for the any of us. We're Vegas, are starting to shake.
0: <laughs> at least it's not like out in the elements this time of year. Right. It doesn't worry. Me yeah. Too Correct. Much.
2: Yeah. That, I mean, that may have hurt them the other night. That was part of it. I mean, mm-hmm. these receivers don't need anything more going against them <laughs> for them to catch. Yeah, exactly. What,
1: Yes. With the rain and the lights, you know, for a night game, all of that stuff. Yeah, definitely a lot there. Plus, also, Devontae Adams, I will be looking forward to that prop because if you do believe mm-hmm. that this game is going to be close, it'll be because of the aerial attack. They're using Adams a good bit more, so definitely that's going to be another one I'm going to be looking at once they are posted. Moving on now to the Jaguars and the Texans. Jacksonville, one and a half point favorites on the road with a total of 48 and a half. This will be fun, Joe, right?
2: I think so. I was thinking about it, and I'm probably going too far because there are questions surrounding Trevor Lawrence. I want to see him get back on track here. But I'm wondering, Mm -hmm. you know, we laugh at this division, but I'm wondering if this is going to be a big quarterback matchup for the next decade. Between Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Mm. Stroud, Like C.J. Stroud, the way he's come onto the scene That's the kind of expectation uh, that, that we have for him So I was thinking back to the first matchup of the year Oh, that was a killer for Survivor Remember when Houston won by 20 And the Jaguars mm. Outgained them Yeah <laughs> that was bad. And, and there is a fullback That scored a <laughs> touchdown on special teams Like it was <laughs> I know I know I almost my got fake tears for my
1: props. I know
2: oh, I'm still crying about it for real. Uh, so is there some Jaguars revenge on the mind? Possibly. I want to see how CJ Stroud bounces back after uh, a three pick game uh, for him to see uh, what kind of performance he has at home in the spot where he has played very, very well uh, as a dog at home. I, I see why a lot of people are making, making that case. I don't really have a Strong opinion. The one thing that I was considering is do we end up getting some sort of a shootout in this spot? I know it's a divisional matchup, but it it is a very high total for a reason. We're now sitting there at forty eight and a half.
0: I'm with you. Uh, inter- I think the Texans could have a game in CJ Stroud. Jacksonville, we've talked about how good their defense is, but not as good as of late. Um, they've had a little bit of a drop off and in terms of the passing game, that's where you can really expose them and that's where I love the Texans. I'm really excited for this game, mm-hmm. but Jacksonville allowing 254 passing yards per game, 209 over the last three. So I think this is a spot for C.J. Stroud and this Texan squad to keep things rolling, Ed.
1: Stroud should look good. No doubt about it. Completely agree with you there. Uh, just because I think that secondary it might be a bit of a paper tiger when it comes to Jacksonville, like the pass rushers are great, uh, but everywhere mm-hmm. else I I've always had questions. I mean, that was a prior of mine that I haven't quite thrown away. Here's a possible comp that I want to run by you guys. A- and maybe this is just because I know I'll be watching the saints game carefully, but is CJ Stroud a good Jameis Winston Because you look at his numbers, like his average time to throw is fourth highest or fourth longest in the NFL, greater than three seconds from snap to pass. He's always throwing deep. His bad ball rate is kind of high. You would expect that from a rookie, but he's also getting a lot of completions beyond 10 air yards. I wonder if like, okay, if you put Jameis Winston, like a younger version, in a good situation, is that what you have with C.J. Stroud? Like, Jameis Winston was a number one overall pick and like we always had hope for him, not so much anymore, but put him in a good spot. (laughs) And then Winston probably was going to be effective if CJ Stroud is Mm -hmm. something similar. And if that's the case, then okay. He'll score a bunch of points, but there might be those picks where that's how Jacksonville wins this game.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good comp. We do kind of forget what Jameis was at one point and he was a guy that could get Mm -hmm. you 30, 30 plus touchdowns in a season the problem was what was happening on the other side and what this past week with Strad was that just regression hitting his way because you knew it was going to get there eventually but he's putting up numbers every single week so uh, and I feel really good about where we sit with the passing yards cuz he's going to be up at the top when this thing's done no doubt
1: mm-hmm. absolutely is still backing the Jaguars though as uncomfortable as it makes me like I feel like I have to go to confessional as far as backing oh. the Jaguars one more time despite what they did to me bless me O oh, father for I have sinned it has been seven days since my last confessional because I believe I backed the Jaguars against the Titans last week as well but I think that's probably mm. how I'm going to play this one uh much as I love watching this Texans offense and probably backing Stroud's over passing yards still though I think Jaguars will be my play there how about we move on now to the Browns and the Broncos Denver two and a half point favorites here with a total of a lean mean 35. Joe, how are we playing it?
2: Does this number make sense? Everyone Denver? No, minus two and a half. no, no. no. A okay. Buck. Well, go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron.
0: I think the Browns are better. I mean, I get it. Everyone thinks Russell Wilson is playing better, but you look at what the Browns defense is doing and no one's higher that on on the Browns than Joe on the show, but the Browns limiting opposing quarterbacks to 143 passing yards per game, 98 in the last three. Give me under on everything Russell Wilson in this matchup. And I think mm-hmm. the wrong team is favored, Joe.
2: Whoo. That that could be the case. Uh, I'd mention it if there were prop numbers posted, but Cortland Sutton, like we know <laughs> he's been on a tear. Does everybody realize he has a touchdown in five straight? He has a touchdown in seven of eight games? In the red zone, that's Russ's dude. He's looking for him every time. So I'm really curious, uh, in in a tough defensive matchup, what kind of number we're going to get on an anytime touchdown uh, there? Is it going under? It's probably going under, right? I know Mm -hmm. it's a short, short, short number. And the numbers also tell us automatic teaser. You just take the Browns plus eight and a half.
1: Yeah, you, you definitely have to do that. And the touchdowns that will be scored in this game, very obvious who will be on the receiving end. No doubt about that. And I think that's the, the, the way for both sides here. I am trusting this rushing attack for the Browns more and more. I am falling in love all over again. Browns rank 11th in rushing success rate, 7th on runs between the tackles. Outside runs are a little bit weaker, but guess what? Denver's defense on outside runs is, is dead last and they are second to last in defensive success rate against the run in general so even though the browns aren't great in terms of outside runs they know what the weakness is and so i expect dtr to go to the outside i'm expecting Ford jet sweeps things like that to go to the outside this is my alternate spread of the week browns to minus one and a half let's go (laughs) i have to do this early but it's fine Ah, like it. This is Beck UL Daily presented by Ben MGM. Coming up next, another slate of NFL games. Bucks, Colts could have some playoff implications. (laughs) Bill Belichick versus Tommy DeVito and so much more right here on the Beck UL Network.